0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, okay. Um, uh, We are uh, continuing our study um, on a church leadership in 1st, Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 14. That's a page 9 and 9 and 2 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Um, but uh, before we get started, we pray. Father, we are so grateful for... Uh, not just your love for us, not just your forgiveness, though we are grateful for those, but we are thankful that you have given us a way to live. You've set a standard for us um, to uh, aspire to. We thank you, Lord, that you care enough about uh, your church that you put a plan in place for us to follow. And we pray that uh, with your help, Power of the Holy Spirit, we uh, would we follow your pattern for us. Um, we thank you for loving us enough to not just l- l- let us loose and do whatever we feel is right, but we can follow you. Um, we love you, Lord. We pray that your Spirit would open our eyes to see your truth this morning and soften our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after our um, long sermon on elders last week, I'm glad you all came back uh, because we got another long one on deacons this morning, so this is a good time. In early church, uh, the Lord, through the scriptures, established two offices for oversight and general management of the family of God, of the church, and that's the office of elder that we looked at last week. An office of deacon, which we'll look at today. Now uh, just out of curiosity this morning, how many of you are deacons? <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say, because it'd scrub all kinds of other stuff I was going to say if you did something different. <laughs> this is proof that we need clarification on this topic of deacons. Um, Matthew Henry said in his commentary on the scripture, the practical love of truth is the most powerful preservative from error and delusion. And I say that because we as a family, if we don't already, must care about what the word of God says about our lives, both as individuals and as a church family. If we don't care about those things, we're kind of wasting our time here. This is, we need to care about the truth so that we will be preserved from error and delusion. And that's exactly why we're digging into this idea of deacon and elders. Um, because we want to adhere to God's truth as it's reserve, as revealed in God's word and not wander off into error by just doing what seems right in our own eyes, just what's practical to us. So after Paul finished his thoughts on the qualification for elders, he moves on to the deacons in verse 8 of 1 Timothy 3. So let's look at that. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Uh, so, as made clear from our little poll earlier, um, that there is some confusion about deacons uh, in the Scripture and within our own family, because there was hands-on laps that should have been in the air, and you don't even know it. So I'm happy that we're dealing with this today, uh, so we can get a better handle on the role of a deacon within the church family. Uh, so we begin with where the deacons got their start. Anybody remember the first deacons? Mm, they're in the book of Acts, that's right. Uh, so if you have your Bible open, turn to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Page 914 in the Pew Bibles, 914. Acts 6, verse 1. Listen to that beautiful sound, pages flipping. It's great. I didn't tell them to put it on the screen, so you're on your own. That's why we give you Bibles. All right. Acts 6, 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the Hellenists, that is Greek-speaking Jews, uh, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. um, These are Christians, Hebrew Christians, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. That's distribution of food. And the twelve, the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers... and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. What's the secret to uh, correctly pronouncing Greek names? Do it with confidence, because you're not right, nobody will know the difference. <laughs> These seven men were the first deacons. Their job was to make sure that the daily distribution of food to the poor among the church was fair and that no one was overlooked. This role was necessary because the apostles, the elders of the church then needed to be preaching and praying and not worried about this task. There needs to be somebody else take care of this so they can do their work. And this, this is the prototype of the office of deacon. And what these seven deacons did is a prototype for all those who would be deacons thereafter. Um, now to be clear, the word deacon is not an English word, it's a Greek word that's been Englishified, um, transliterated. Uh, this is a Greek word diakonos, uh, which means servant or minister. And that's exactly what the responsibility of the deacons is, humble service. That's a deacon's job. Now, this humble service is not limited to distributing food to poor widows as it was for these uh, first seven. That's what the need was when the deacons uh, as a role were first established. But now it's expanded to many different tasks that have been assigned to people within the church so that the elders can focus on the ministry of the word and to prayer. Where the elders are responsible for the spiritual needs of the church, like we talked about last week, the deacons are responsible for caring for the more physical needs of the church family. Uh, now, I asked earlier who here was a deacon, um, because there are many here that are serving as deacons that may not even know it. I say, that word is not for me, but in truth it is. Um, Here at Crossroads, uh, we don't uh, often refer to people as deacons, um, but rather as ministry leaders. Uh, And this is the same thing. Those that lead the different ministries within our church family are considered deacons. Uh, worship ministry, finance ministry, children's ministry, fellowship ministry, missions ministry, property ministry, and now youth and family ministry. Those who lead each one of these ministries are deacons according to Scripture. So, who here is a deacon? That's a few more hands. I'm happy about that, right? Right, you're leading Bible studies, you're serving the people in, in a, an expanded way. That's a role of a deacon, Uh, So now that we have a little bit better handle on who the deacons are and where they came from and what their duties are, let's consider their requirements that they have and also the blessing that is in store for them. Look at verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. I just like the elders, like we talked about last week, there are um, the first requirements of deacons are character requirements. Um, they must be dignified, meaning that they must be honorable and worthy of respect. Uh, they understand the seriousness of life and faith and act accordingly. This, what it mean to be dignified? They are not double-tongued. Uh, this is not, there are people that like to do that and split their tongues, but that's not what to talk about here. This. Um, uh, anybody grow up watching um, the Lone Ranger? Remember Tonto, and what did he say about the white man speak with forked tongue? That's exactly what that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Deacons are not to be hypocritical liars. Pretty good standard for all of us, I think. But uh, they're people of integrity. They are who they say they are, and they do what they say they're going to do. They are the same person Friday night as they are Sunday morning, and this again should be really true of all of us. They are who they say they are, and they're not liars. They are also not addicted to much wine. We talked about this last week with the elders, um, that they are not intemperate wine guzzlers. That's, I I just, I love that. It's so funny. There is there is much pressure in ministry, whether you're aware of that or not, Um, and drunkenness of any kind from any sort of substance is out of bounds as a coping mechanism not just for all of us, but especially those who are in leadership and those who are serving in this capacity. Um, Also, they are not greedy for dishonest gain. Uh, Now, some deacons are directly responsible for the collection of the offering every week and the proper dispersal of those funds. Now, that doesn't mean the kids that pass the plate are deacons, but I mean is that it doesn't just stay here in the plate all week long. Um, it gets counted, um, and and uh, every penny is counted and accounted for and reported. It's not just dumped into a paper bag and carried up the hill to my house. That's not how it works. Um we often wish that there was more of that work to do, but uh, this is where we are today. Now, there is a temptation that goes along with that work and many opportunities for dishonesty. There are far too many stories of embezzlement and corruption in the church carried out by people who lacked in this character quality, um, being greedy for dishonest gain. Mm. And that—that that is a, that's a broad brushstroke um it's not just about money, but gaining um influence gaining power, gaining control. If this is what uh someone is after, then serving in church leadership is not the right place for them um this is not uh this is not about power this is a humble service um, And i get convicted about this. Because, um, I, have you ever heard the expression, I'm off notes now, so this might not make any sense. <laughs> have you ever heard the expression, uh, how you run your church, or how your church is run, or the people that run the church? You ever, am I the only one that's ever, you never? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there is a flaw in that thinking. Who runs the church? Well, no. <laughs> No, the church is not run at all. This is, we are a family. We're not run. We're, we're organized, but we're an organism. Right? And God is sovereign over all of that, and He entrusts different roles to different people, but it's nobody's job to run the church. My job is not to run the church. Because what does that even mean? Am I, is it my job to run your life? Is it the elder's job to run your lives or the deacon's job to run your life? No. It's no. (laughs) No. Praise the Lord. No. I'm barely hanging on to run my own life. I can't handle yours and, and we shouldn't expect that of anyone else. I just think there's a flaw in that kind of thinking that says a church needs to be run. We are organized. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are still an organism. And God is sovereign over all of it. And he kind of moves us around the way that he sees fit. It's not to sit behind a closed door and decide how things are going to go. Uh, I'm going to get back to my notes. This is already pretty long, so I'm making it worse. Um, Verse 9. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. There's an important word there in the middle of that sentence. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must understand the gospel, and and what um, they must understand the gospel is what Paul is saying. They must know the word of God. Warren Wiersbe said, "A deacon who does not know the word of God cannot manage the affairs of the church of God. A deacon who does not live the word of God but has a defiled conscience." cannot manage the church of God. Simply because a church member is popular, successful in business, or generous in his giving does not mean he is qualified to serve as a deacon. Um, Deacons must be doctrinally sound, people of spiritual depth. Their lives must be consistent with their proclamation of faith. Uh, not perfect. I don't want to paint the picture of, of perfection here, but attaining a higher uh, standard. I've seen it myself that people um, have been elected to the office of deacon uh, because of their business sense and savvy uh, And one particular instance in my experience, I praise God that the Lord showed uh, this particular deacon himself uh, that he wasn't fit for the role because he was not very spiritually mature. Uh, he was a wonderful man, but his own lack of spiritual depth and understanding uh, kept him from truly operating according to God's word. Just doing things that make sense uh, to the world or in the sense of business, What what good is that? You could have a great plan, make a lot of money, great, build a great big building, but if you're not following God's design, what is that for? It doesn't serve any good purpose. J.P. Lang wrote, those who would successfully watch over others have a double need to know their own condition. I think that's a good, that's a good thought. Those who would successfully watch over others have a double need to know their own condition. And that brings us to verse ten. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. That's an interesting idea. It's simple, but I've found as a as a coach, as a baseball coach, um, how a player responds when given an assignment that they don't necessarily want will determine whether or not they get a chance to do the thing that they like to do. Um, Everybody wants to play first base, but if you have a lousy attitude and no hustle when you're put in left field, chances are you don't get a chance to play first base. That made sense to me. Um, (laughs) Just amen, so I know you're still here. (laughs) You don't have to agree, just, you know, grunt or something. Amen, Amen. all right, amen, amen. The, the governing principle with service is that good work is rewarded with more work. Right? Maybe that sounds like a punishment to you, uh, but that just may be, may mean that you're not ready to serve as a deacon. Oh, more work. No, I don't want to do that. Hmm. I used to work in a machine shop, and I ran a machine, uh, called a hone, which is a, Papa's making faces. He knows what I'm talking about. And uh, a grinding machine is oily. It's the lowest job. It's the hardest job. It's the dirtiest job. Um, But that's where you start. And uh, there was a hone, and then there was a drill, gun drilling, deep hole drilling. Again, not on note, so this might take a while. Um, The principle was, if you're a bad honer, you get to become a driller, but if you're a good honer, you're a honer forever. And that's how I got these forearms, of running that machine. It's good at it and, and took me a long time to uh, fake being bad so I could do something different. But this is, this is exactly the principle here. When uh, the blessing of good work is more work um, and, and, um, and it, uh, forget it. Yeah. All right. I'm. I'm going to assume that you do and move on. Um, my friend Corey says when he preaches, "Let let the water just wash over you in waves, but you don't get wet by the whole waves. Just what hits you." So, all right. Okay. Lord, we need your help. All right. Now we come to verse eleven, just because we're having so much fun. Verse 11 is where our dear friends, uh, the translators, have left left things a little less than clear. Um, verse 11 says, Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Okay. there we go. Two things to note. Number one is the first word in that sentence... In our English translation, their, their wives, the word their does not appear in a Greek. It was provided by the translators. Okay? Second, the word that is translated wives, the word guneikos, can also mean women. So it's not saying necessarily their wives, but women not their women. Okay, so um, I went to the experts on this because I didn't want to try to figure this out on my own. John Walvoord wrote in a Bible knowledge commentary, he asked the question, who are the Gunekus, or Gunekus? Say it with confidence. Who are these people that Paul addressed? They are almost certainly not the women of the congregation generally, They were most likely either the wives of deacons or a group of female deacons. A case can be made for either of these two options with a slim advantage falling to the first. That's wives of deacons. But being dogmatic about either view is unwarranted by the exegetical data. Got that? (laughs) Amen. Right? We're not scared. We're going to handle this stuff the best we can. So, here is where I landed, that it is my understanding that the role of deacon is, was and is not limited to men only. It's not like elders in that way. Paul mentioned the female deacon Phoebe in Romans sixteen one, called her a deacon. Uh, in some translations, others just say servant, but it's the same word. And at the risk of leaning too hard on logic alone, I have to ask if... Paul was concerned about the behavior of the wives of deacons. Wouldn't he also have been concerned about the behavior of the wives of elders? Because they were not mentioned here at all. In the passage of elders, it just dealt with elders. So with that understanding, the lady deacons, like the male deacons, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. These are the same this is a mirror of the same character requirements of the male deacons. Um, except for the word not slanderers. That word is actually diablos, which means devils. So, ladies who are deacons, you can be devils. It slander is the same thing. That's what the devil means accuser, slanderer, right? I just thought that was funny. It was. Fun. It was. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so these those character requirements of the female deacons mirror those of the male deacons, okay? Uh, so, l- l- ladies, your service is warranted and welcome. And he goes back to the male deacons in verse 12. He says, let the deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. And the male deacons, as heads of their own households, must be one-women men, That's like we talk about with elders, uh, that they must manage their own households and are good godly fathers. Um, Now, to be clear, as we looked at this expression last week, husband of one wife, um, that is literally translated one woman man. This is most definitely a prohibition of polygamy, having more than one wife at a time. But it is not a prohibition of being divorced and remarried. As we talked about last week, every case must be examined individually and handled carefully and prayerfully. Um, I don't think this is a broad brushstroke statement, but each case must be dealt with individually. Um, But I do not believe that uh, the Scripture is prohibiting a a man who has been divorced or a woman who has been divorced and remarried from serving as a deacon. Now, on the other side of the coin, this is also not necessarily a requirement for a deacon to be married and have children either, Um, like you can't be a deacon unless you're married and have kids. Um, However, deacons are to be models of chastity and faithfulness, Um, and I think that speaks for itself. And finally, we come to verse 13, the blessing of the deacon's work. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Again, uh, John Walvoord uh, summed this up beautifully. He said, Though the position of deacon seems by worldly standards to be menial and unattractive, to close followers of Jesus Christ it looks quite different. Those who fulfill their servant roles faithfully gain two things. First, an excellent standing before fellow Christians who understand and appreciate the beauty of humble, selfless, Christ-like service. And second, great assurance, confidence, and boldness in their faith in Christ Jesus. Humble service, which lacks all the rewards the world deems important, becomes a true test of one's motives. Here one discovers for himself whether or not his efforts are truly prompted by a Christ-like spirit of selfless service. When a deacon has indeed served well, his ministry builds confidence in the sincerity of his own faith in Christ and of his unhypocritical approach to God. The reward of good service is more service. Mm. Boldness and confidence before the Lord. Mm. As Mr. Rogers' mother reminded him when he was a child, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. And I would add to that, pray for them. Pray for the helpers. It's a help me, help you kind of scenario. When we pray for those who are humbly serving in a church family, pray for strength for them because they are serving the Lord Jesus and you. So help them help you. Pray for those who are engaged in service to the Lord and his church and get engaged in uh, yourself if you aren't already. There are always needs to be met and those in an official capacity may never see those needs, but you might. Again, like we saw last week concerning the elders, we may not all have a call to serve as deacons, But we should all aspire to the depth of character and strength of faith that is required of them. Amen? Good. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your church. We're so thankful that you have allowed us the freedom here to follow your design as best we can. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us in the areas where we're falling short any places that we can improve, we're not perfect, and don't think that we have it all handled, Lord, but we need your help to see uh, those places where we might be doing it wrong or places we can do better. Lord, we thank you for the life of faith that is ours in Christ Jesus. And if anyone here does not know the Lord Jesus and has not been adopted into his family, I pray, Lord, that today they would give their lives to you and receive the forgiveness that you paid for with your own blood and your death on the cross. Mm. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890